like that. <laughs> I know that I'm awkward. I'm going to drink this wine. How can I not look at you when you're so ravishing in that Peter Pan shirt <laughs> and that Hogwarts alumni hat and those sweatpants? <laughs> I really look in my vest today, guys. You are a feast for my eyes. <laughs> I'm sitting here in sweatshorts and my Can You Not hoodie. Is that like a David Rose thing or is that just a sweatshirt? Oh, Okay, wait a minute. Because I feel like one David Rose. This is totally a David Rose shirt. When I um was at uh, Natalie and Tara's when we did the last, not the last episode, the last two before that. You know we do these in pairs. We were watching Star Wars and somehow we got into talking about like, oh, you're that person, you're that person, etc. And then we got into talking about like who would we be in a series. And they, like, unanimously were like, Adam's David Rose from Schitt's Creek. And I was flabbergasted with that compliment. And I feel like it's really true. You're totally David Rose. That's right. Most of what I do own is black and white. I'm very judgmental and fancy. Yeah, but here's the thing. Who am I from Schitt's Creek? I'm Patrick. Yeah, I didn't have that before yet. <laughs> Tara's Moira. Moira's, like, last on the list of who I Can am. Can we do the last chapter of this book as Moira and David? No. Because I'm not Moira. I'm... Okay, it would be like a fun ex- I would be Stevie. Oh my god, that would be funny too. Yeah, yes. I, I don't think I could do Catherine O'Hara's accent. Now David, I get, like I can't. I, I'm not even gonna like, try. <laughs> how, how she says, baby. Like, like, no one can do that but her. Like, what the hell? I mean, she's I wonderful. This hey, show is so fun. When we're done with these seven books, comment below and let us know if you would like to have us... <laughs> Do its Shit's Creek podcast. <laughs> By then we'll have watched it a couple of times. That's right. We'll be uh, we'll be well. It's versed. fun. If you don't watch Shit's Creek, watch it. It's a good comedy. Yeah. Sponsor us! They're not even on the air anymore. What are we no. talking about? Anyways, what have you been up to? Not much. Yeah. Very little. I'm getting ready to paint my house. I was gonna paint my house myself, but then I realized that ain't happening, so I'm gonna hire someone. I was dog-sitting the other day. That's very good, too. I might be getting another kitten tomorrow. I am getting another kitten tomorrow. That's not a teaser. I'm getting a third cat. You know, I always say that my drag name, if I were to be a drag queen, which will be never, <laughs> my first name would be I-O-N-A, which is... I don't know. Yes. And then my second name, which is also referred to as your last name when you're not drinking champagne, would be D, U with an umlaut, S-S-E-N, hyphen, K-A-T-Z. Please just pronounce what you're trying to yeah, I own a dozen cats. So I need nine more. Please send cats to our P.O. box. <laughs> what happened in the... Oh, wait, also... Steve's going to listen to this episode and send you Baxter. That's what That's happens. probably what's going to happen. Baxter's going to live here now. Great. Well, I've got eight left to go. So, come on. People are standing by to take your order, or you know what I mean. To accept your cat. To accept your cat, that's right. So, today we're going to talk about... That's right, I was like, you didn't even talk about what we're doing. Today we're going to talk about chapter Chapter 20, 20. the Dementor's Kiss. I thought we were going to say that together. Oh, you said it so beautifully, though. I'm glad my voice wasn't there to ruin it. Thanks. And, by the way, we're basic snitches. Oh, yeah, hi. We're the Shit's Creek Basic and Cat and Shit podcast. We're a mess, and, and we're not even that drunk. That's Moira, and I'm David. I don't know why you think I'm Moira. Who won the last episode? <laughs>
But also, thank you. I will try my hardest to be Catherine O'Hara. I will never be Catherine O'Hara. The last chapter, we met this really awful creature as a human. And guess what? He lost it. Peter Pettigrew loses. Because of course he does. Like, how does he not fucking lose I really lose like chapter? how you said that. It was like a sentence but backwards. Well, <laughs> that's me. That's literally me. I'm a sentence but backwards. I like it. Who yeah. won? This was a hard one for me to choose a winner for chapter 19. No, I did not give Snape a win. Do not think he's giving a fucking win. Yeah, I, I'm sure that that's the chapter that he's winning out of all of them. So there are two winners in chapter 19. Great. The first winner is Sirius, giving Sirius a win because all of the reasons mentioned in the last chapter for why he won, just continuing on his strong friendship and devotion to his friends. I love the fact that we learned that he broke out of Azkaban for Harry, which is really something that I don't think is directly discussed ever when people talk about these books. And then the other winner of the chapter is Harry for saving Peter's life against his former friends. It goes to show Harry's strong moral compass, but also it really, really, really comes back to help him in the end. Saving Peter Pettigrew, so gonna give him a win. That's a good point. Because part of me is like, that bitch should die in this chapter, this upcoming one. Well, listen, I wouldn't have been mad, but I'm just saying that that's kind of how that works, I guess. Yeah. So I'm gonna read a thing. I just sent sent me. As you were saying that, I was like, fuck, I didn't send her the thing. It says, a thing for Tara. Yeah, I changed it in my OneNote from summary to a thing for Tara. (laughs) Chapter 20, The Dementor's Kiss. I did not write that. I did not write coronavirus coughs. <laughs> I hate please, coronavirus please go jokes. On. I hate them. I know. Uh, They're really old at this point. Yes, they are. Okay, chapter 20, The Dementor's Kiss. That's right. This episode is going to be romantic. Lupin and Sirius rig up a strategy for everyone to make it out of the Shrieking Shack. Sh- How dare you? <laughs> what? Shrieking Shack safely. <laughs> I was like, did I say something dirty about you this early in the thing? <laughs> We're going to try that again. Lupin and Sirius rig up a strategy for everyone to make it out of the Shrieking Shack safely that looks pretty sound. Don't cheer yet. Things don't go to plan, of course, because there's still two chapters left for Tara's favorite thing. Plot twist. On the way back, Sirius is like, you want to come live with me? And Harry's like, dope. 20 minutes ago, I thought you killed my rents, and now we roomies. But then the moon comes out. That's right. Aunt Marge is still floating up around in the sky. No, just kidding. It's Filch. Running naked across the lawn like he does every night. Nope, wrong again. It's literally just the moon. How boring. Except, oh yeah, Lupin didn't take his go-go juice, so now he's legit turning into a werewolf. Things happen very quickly. Sirius transforms and goes after him to protect everyone. Skinny Dick escapes, and everything sucks again. Wow, could things get worse? You betcha, because Harry and Hermione hear some whimpering down by the lake, and they go to see Sirius as a human again in a swarm of fucking sheets with teeth. Harry tries to Patronus them, but he's really anxious and overwhelmed. Oh, hey, plot twist. The sheets with teeth don't have teeth, just a hole. Sheets with the hole? Sounds kinky. Anyways, one tries to kiss Harry, and just when things look really bad, Patronus from the other side of the lake blasts all those sheets with holes away. And Harry's like, what? That looks familiar. Could it be? Yep, that's right. It is Aunt Marge. She was a wizard after all. Her Patronus was Colonel Fuster. Plot twist. Oh, I forgot about Colonel Fuster. <laughs> Originally, I was going to look up what the dog's name was. 
Ripper. Ripper. <laughs> See, I couldn't even remember what that was. So I went back, but instead of seeing Ripper, I saw Colonel Fubster. I was like, nope, that's Colonel the one. Colonel Fubster. That's canon, guys. That's Aunt Marge's Patronus. This chapter uh, is rough. It is. Are you going to tell me about how nice and short my... I'm really, really in love with your short chapter summary. Oh, thank you. Is it because it's short or because it's funny? It's funny. I... It was really great because mine was so not funny and was too long. But I couldn't make it any shorter. Yeah, you had a big deep chapter. I just had just to, like, to have a big a deep swears. something. I don't know. <laughs> We've been saying the last few chapters that this is where the slingshot effect is an effect, mm -hmm. effect where it's just like very, very, very fast paced. This chapter feels like that. Uh, off camera, off mic. <laughs> off camera we're also filming this by the way yeah <laughs> let us know if you would like uh, to order our secret archive that's right videos most of them were naked so what's it i'm wearing Beware. that's right i i already <laughs> explained what uh we're wearing so this is one of the rare clothed episodes <laughs> i feel like we record better in the nude i don't <laughs> know <laughs> there's something about like the acoustics you know there's not as much like clothes to absorb our dulcet tones Anyways, where the fuck was I? <laughs> the beginning of the chapter. When we were off mic, I was talking about how this chapter is more well represented, but I think more so what I perhaps meant was that the pace is a little bit more even. It goes very, very quick. And like, we've been saying this this entire book, these chapters are journeys and they start in one place and then mm -hmm. end in another. This chapter is no stranger to that. I mean, you could say that all chapters are like that, but the tone and, like, based on what happens changes so quickly. And you really get the essence of that from this, I think. Oh, yeah. The beginning of the chapter is everyone doing their, like, weird march out of the Shrieking Shack. Crookshanks is leading the way, and then Lupin and Ron are taking Pettigrew, and they're all, like, chained together. And then Snape is just, like, drifting along. And then Harry and Sirius and Hermione are hanging out together in the back. And that's when we get literally the only bonding that Harry and Sirius get. Until, until the next book. Yes. When they're, like, talking about Harry possibly moving in with Sirius. And yep. All of that. It is very interesting. You call back to that moment in the last chapter where he switched. And he was like, no, you are the bad guy, you know? Like, that's why I said in my thing of, like, oh, yeah, 20 <clears> minutes ago I was thinking this. It's very, like, breakneck speed or break leg speed in Ron's case. I also do want to say, before we get too deep into that, the way that they rig everything up so quickly is very nice and organized. When you compare it to, like, what Snape had in store of, like, kind of, like, binding them and everything, and not even considering Ron, you know, Ron even says, you know, almost instantly without wincing that his leg feels better. Like, wow, they put some preparation into this. Right. But Lupin is putting the kids first. Lupin taking charge of this situation here just goes to show, like... When he looked at the map and he saw that everyone was going toward the Shrieking Shack, he's not going to apprehend Sirius Black. He's going to help the situation. Right. Thank God we're doing something for this poor child. Right. And I mean, serves me right, because now his head is bumping up against... I know, because we put Sirius <laughs> in charge of... I was like, maybe uh, in retrospect you should have been like, Hermione, you're in charge of Snape? Because Sirius is just being like, bonk, bonk, bonk. My brain always imagines that Sirius is loving the shit out of this, which I think he is. Yeah. Well, and who knows, maybe it'll like knock some sense into Snape. Oh, sadly. It doesn't. It doesn't, but, but yeah. So yes, they have this nice little conversation about him moving in, which is like this great revelation of like what could potentially happen out of all of this. I remember the first time reading it being like, oh my god, I'm, I was so excited. 
Well, as, like, interesting as Grim Old Place is, like, it's still, like, such a huge increase from Private Drive. I mean, anything almost could be. Well, and Harry and Sirius together yeah. is much different. To me, I was just struck this time with, like, this is the only real bonding they get to it do. Really, it is. I mean, trying to think ahead to Goblet of Fire, I don't know how much bonding time they even They get, get a little bit of bonding in Goblet of Fire, too. I mean, I know he's a fire for some he's of it. He's a fire. Sirius is the Goblet of Fire. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler. Because after this, like, things kind of unravel. Once they make it out of the actual tunnel, Crookshanks takes care of the Whomping Willow. Crookshanks is MVP. The moon comes out and everyone is like, oh shit. <clears throat> it goes to shit. Yeah. I wonder if in everything that's going on, I don't want to say that Lupin would forget that it's a full moon because this is literally what he's been dealing with his whole life. Maybe he was like, we have to get back before I transition or whatever. And just like realizing just that there wasn't enough time because this is what sets it off. When he came down mm. to the shack, they were like, okay, I got to like get this done really quickly. And then things got so involved. I mean, we've all done it. There are times where I'm like, okay, well on the way back from this place, I have to get gas or I have to pick up cat food or whatever it might be. So much happened that on the way back, he was like, oh shit. On the flip side, it almost makes me wonder, like, if he had waited for that potion to come, it would have been so different. I mean, Snape never would have come Well, there. Harry and Ron and Hermione may have hurt Sirius and never gotten the truth. They might have, but who knows? Or like, maybe Sirius would have, would have, like, talked it out of them and gotten the wand and transferred Pettigrew first, and Pettigrew could have hurt someone. You know what I'm saying? This, however, is the scariest. I mean, out of all of these characters, the scariest character is a werewolf. Right. This is also the whole thing, like, okay, great, Lupin's a werewolf, who cares? This is where it matters like, to kind oh, of, like, we do throw care. everything out of kilter, you know? The whole thing is, like, there's this huge plot device of, like, the shrinking shack and everything that they build in here, and it's like, oh, great, he's a werewolf. Is it to show, like, oh, not all werewolves are bad, or whatever? But this is where it's like, oh, this is where it fits into the story. Because of that, this turns into Sirius having to be the one to protect everyone. Which is such an interesting and beautiful way to show how good Sirius is. Like, not that we haven't been seeing that as we're learning about him in the last couple chapters. There's no room to be faking or to be pretending or whatever, you know? And he's the one that's protecting these kids. He's telling Harry and Hermione to run. Harry's like, can't do that because Pettigrew is changed to Ron, who is changed to a werewolf. And Ron has a broken leg. Right. But then he transforms into a dog and uses that to attack Lupin to get Lupin away from the kids. It's so selfless of him. There's like no hesitation. He's like, you guys gotta go. I gotta take care of this. This is the only option we have. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else he could have done. I mean, if he were a terrible person, he could be like, I can fucking transform into a dog again and just fucking leave. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, this is where fucking Pettigrew zaps Crookshanks and Ron and then transforms into Rat. And part of me is like, what the fuck did he do to them, first of all? Because like, I almost feel like Sirius could have even gone off after Pettigrew because we know how much he wanted to kill him. But he still protects them. I think that is maybe even the bigger thing. Because, like, right. Sirius isn't going to just run into the woods. You know what no. I mean? And the bigger threat at that moment is Lupin. Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. So this scene suggests that Peter needs the wand to transform back. We obviously know that 
Lupin and Sirius had transformed him, as he's lived as a rat for 12 years, he's not carrying around a wand. Mm-hmm. How did Sirius transform without a wand in Azkaban? Yeah, I almost wonder if it's because they transformed him that maybe he needs a <clears throat> wand to transform himself back after that. I love that answer because I'm so glad that you answered differently than me. Because my response was a lot more convoluted and a little more unfair toward Peter, but that's fine because he sucks. Because <laughs> um, my thought was that if they learn to become Animagus, that they could transform on their own. Yeah. It feels like McGonagall can transform on her own. And Sirius has said he transformed into a dog at will in Azkaban. He wouldn't have a wand. So my thought was just, well, maybe he's just not as good as Sirius, which is also a possibility because in the chapter about Lupin's past, it's kind of suggested that like James and Sirius caught on faster than Peter. He's a better wizard than we're giving him credit for. He's just a piece of shit. Yeah, or he's rusty. Right, or he's, it's been 12 years. Yeah. But I really think your answer is correct. Yeah, I mean, like, if they forced it out of him, I almost feel like a poison in an antidote. Yeah, I think otherwise, like, why would you become an animal if you need a wand every time? Even, like, transforming out of being an animal, an animal isn't going to have a wand. Yeah, where are you going to keep that wand? I mean, in your kangaroo pouch. you got to transform into a kangaroo. Yeah, what are you going to do? you got to transform into something with opposable thumbs, so... I mean, I almost wish that he didn't, because then that, there would have been, like, a safe hold there for Pettigrew to escape. And, like, even in this moment, I'm like, Pettigrew escaping in this moment is such a tragedy because there's this domino effect. You know, he can't move in with Sirius now, and that, of Sirius course, Sirius is still going to be looked at as guilty. I think you mentioned it in the last chapter, unless you mentioned it at the beginning of this episode. The whole thing about, like, he needs Pettigrew at the end of the book. That, then, is like, okay, well, at least there's that benefit to it because in the moment it's like oh my god it's devastating frustrating yeah and there's no time to stop and think about that for us reading it we can stop and think about that but harry can't and then later when he does think about it it's extra sad harry and hermione and ron are now alone again they're like we got to get back up to the castle they have snape but he's like snape's just floating ron is like oh my god my leg they hear like the the whining of sirius as a dog and he goes to find him and hermione follows him yes which is interesting that hermione follows him when ron is alone with an unconscious that is true my only thought in hermione following is because then later when they're in trouble he has someone to go like get help for two people instead of one. But like otherwise Ron is just like chilling there on the freaking right. thing until Snape comes. Well and through. I wonder if it's because Lupin, the threat went that way, and so she's leaving Ron alone, but the threat is not nearby. I mean, eventually Snape's gonna wake up. Yeah. And also Ron has a wand, at least. Harry is being reckless. He's overly wrought by emotions probably right now. He's running toward Sirius who was injured by Lupin, so Lupin could be nearby. Yeah. You know, so maybe she's thinking that, but I've always kind of been like, why doesn't she stay with Ron? It's been Harry and yeah, Sirius are together, and I think Ron so and Hermione too. are together. Hermione is the only one who doesn't have, like, a set place to be at this moment, which is interesting considering how integral she is in the rest of this book. She's damage control. I don't know, you can make an argument for both okay for her to go with Harry or it's okay for her to stay with Ron. But then, of course, when we get down to the lake, that's when there is a swarm with the sheets with a hole. <laughs> it's and awful. It really is, like, another horror movie scene. We talk about things like when he fell out of the sky and like the spider moment. It's another one of those scenes. You can tell how overwhelmed he is from everything. 
looking back to even like that Dementor moment where the Dementors were really the Slytherins during the, the game with Ravenclaw, mm-hmm. it almost feels like that really didn't give him any favors because perhaps at that point he wasn't quite as well versed in it for this moment. But of, of course, course not. we'll get there in like a chapter. I love this one with Down by the Lake because it really brings together a lot of things about this book. Mm-hmm. Like it brings the pieces of Harry learning the Patronus from Lupin. The realness of this scene is not just about Harry protecting himself from Dementors in order to play Quidditch or to not have an embarrassing fainting fit in front of his classmates. This is him and two other people who he's trying to protect from these Dementors and he doesn't have the strength. You know, he throws it at Hermione and says, this is what this is. Hermione knows nothing about this. Right. I mean, here's the thing. She's Hermione, so she probably knows what it is. But this is a very stressful moment. She's not gotten to do any actual learning. She's just been told, think of something happy and say this. It's beautiful because later on, Harry is the one that teaches her the Patronus, of course. Harry is the one who has to control this moment. And it's sad because it's overwhelming and he can't. Yeah. And who could blame him? Because Sirius is injured. He's basically, like, unconscious anyway. More so, I think, it's what happens in the next chapter. Because in this moment, I think there's a lot of flaws in, like, his approach. You can't really put too much into that because, I mean, it's overwhelming. It's very, very stressful. It's life or death. It determines his future in many, many ways. While he's doing this, it almost brings me back to what Sirius was talking about in the last chapter. In that him always remembering that he was innocent was something that helped him get through it. And like he keeps saying like, he's innocent, he's innocent, he's innocent. That's not a memory. Like he's also kind of like saying things that he hopes for in the future. And like, oh my gosh, we're gonna live together. That's my memory, but it's not a memory. I wonder if that is something that he kind of made a mistake about. It's also desperation. Yes. He's in such a desperate moment when he sees Dementors in the future and how he's prepared for them a lot of the times. He's older and stronger and all of this truth and scary shit and emotional stuff didn't just come out at him. This is just such a fraught time to also be burdened with this kind of responsibility. You have your friend who doesn't know how to Patronus and you have your godfather who can't because he's unconscious. Mm. If it were just about Harry, it might have been easier. His first real time needing to do the Patronus in a much more dire situation than what he expected. So here's another question, because one of the last things that happens is that the Dementors start coming after Harry too. This is why we know they got no teeth and just holes. Do you think, because you know how I feel about like why they go after Harry. Voldemort chunk in his head. Do you think that that is why they're going after or because he's like aiding a criminal? Because I don't know if the Dementors are that smart. I have honestly always thought that the Dementors are kind of outside the realm of being controlled here. They're down by the lake. Dumbledore says, get them the fuck away from the castle. He gets pissed because they come down by the Quidditch pitch because they can't control themselves. This is potentially the proximity to the perimeter of the school. So I've just always thought that that's just where they chill. They're like, I'm going to be in the Forbidden Forest. It's got to be somewhere. These people are here and there's a lot of emotion. Harry has a lot of despair inside him, even on a good day, you know. So he's already kind of attracting them. Plus, Hermione's got a lot of fear and Well, serious. that's the other thing that I was going to say. Like, I don't know if there's any way to know this. Of but course like, not. If they were going after Hermione, then I would be more inclined to think that. I'm still under the idea that they are going after Harry specifically, too. Like, we don't know. It could be a combination of all of these things, you know? 
who's to say? Like, these things don't actually exist, but... Thank God. Yeah, seriously. I mean, maybe they do exist, and there's just a lot of them around the world right now, because, you know... They had a lot of babies lately. They do. The fuck. I think that it's implied that they reproduce. So I'm assuming they fuck. Cool. Write in and let us know what you think about Dementors fucking. <laughs> At the very end then is where... Harry we... exhausts himself trying to protect them and the Dementors are like, no, we're going to kiss you. And then Harry passes out and you're just kind of left to... Well, he does see the Patronus come from he the other side of the Patronus. lake. But like it blocks out. It's just like, wait, could that be? And that's... Where it ends. The only other thing that I have to say is that this is another one of those chapters where darkness is really prevalent. I mentioned in our last recording session that you start to see it more and more and the whole like vacation from Voldemort thing. This is definitely obviously another really, really high dark chapter. Oh yeah. Obviously. Oh God. Yeah. And fuck a Mary kill. Okay. Originally I had another one, but I again was inspired to change from the movie and I remember this time. Fuck Mary Kill, the transition middle point of these characters turning into an animal. Not the animal or the human, but the middle point where they're like right in the middle of being half human, half whatever. That is weird as fuck. Actually. I know. Mid Lupin and Werewolf, where his face is kinda like all fucked up. <laughs> Their face is gonna be fucked up no matter what. Okay. Lupin, werewolf midpoint. Pettigrew, rat, midpoint, and we obviously don't see it, but what you imagine the middle point of Sirius and the dog would be. Okay, anything that has to do with Pettigrew dies. I know, I know. Murder. It's an easier one, but I like this one because it's more weird. I think I would marry Sirius to dog, dog to Sirius, that one. Yeah. And I would fuck Lupin to, to werewolf. Okay, like, tell me why, because in the last episode you were like, I'm gonna marry anything Lupin related. That's true, I love Lupin, yes, but the other end of Lupin is him being a werewolf and potentially- But that doesn't matter, you're only marrying that part, so they are like that forever in the okay. middle. Well, it's. I will say that, that the transition is a little creepy, and as far as Sirius is concerned, there's a dog, and dogs are great. Yeah. I'm agree with you, but because I imagine that dog to Sirius isn't that much of a difference, so the middle point is probably better. Yeah. So I agree with you on all three of those. Yeah, but Pettigrew always dies. Fuck that guy. Let's do my original one too, because oh, okay. I actually have that one written down. All right, these are three assumptions of what could have happened out of events of this chapter. The assumption Harry living with Sirius. The assumption that Pettigrew would be arrested or at the very end with that Patronus coming across the lake. The assumption that James was alive. All of these are great things. Yes. None of these things happen. Spoiler. Exactly. That's why they're assumptions. So that being said, that's terrible because I've already killed James once. <laughs> well, you gonna kill him again? James being alive means that the it's story doesn't happen. It's a completely different change. I agree. That's why I'm killing that too. So there's that. Sad. At this point, it's established, too. Right. I'm going to fuck the idea of Pettigrew being in prison because I just hold on so much to the idea of Harry having a home mm-hmm. with Sirius. I'm agreeing with you again. We agreed on all three scenarios this time. We didn't drink enough wine, clearly. I guess not. Well, we're drinking more after this, so stay tuned for the after party. Okay, <laughs> now movie. What you guys say? They don't really do a good job of showing the brilliant work that Sirius and Lupin put together on getting everyone safely out and on their way back to the castle. People are just kind of walking. Lupin's holding a wand on Peter. 
Harry and Sirius are like helping Ron out and Hermione is there and we don't see Snape at all. The most problematic part of that is the fact that the werewolf has his wand on the person who wants to escape. So essentially the same thing happens is that Pettigrew gets Lupin's wand and uses it to transform and Harry disarms him, but it's too late. He's already transformed. Yeah. There's a weird-ass scene between Hermione, Hermione and, Ron. and Ron. We don't need that sexual tension yet. We already got the sexual tension scene in this movie, too, where and she, like, falls on Ron when Buckbeak is... Yeah. I don't know why they chose to do it in this movie, because there's all the fighting and stuff, and this whole, like issue with them and then all of a sudden they have that moment and this one again yeah that the was choice to weird. like focus on them so ron can say awkward things it's just it's awkward the big thing that we talked about when we were watching it was how hermione is not present with the scene with the deventers yes but also prior to that she has that howling moment yeah yes prior to that she has this thing that's establishing the time turner escapades that are about to happen as established earlier which we'd already talked about a previous episode with her like throwing the rock to get harry's attention mm -hmm. and this is a movie thing only i think just to make it feel easier to understand yeah in the book, that doesn't even happen, which I guess I appreciate that we're establishing it, but I'm also, like, annoyed. Also, the Harry serious bonding moment is, like, after they get out and you get their little thing, and it's very nice. And then it's disrupted by the weirdness of this establishing the timeline that the movie chooses to do it that way. So that's frustrating. They have Lupin as a werewolf, like, chasing him, and he's not around in the book. After yeah. In the book, the werewolf actual scene is so quick, and they mm -hmm. do linger on a little bit more. Again, I think sometimes it's like the action and then the ability for them to like show him turning into a werewolf. That's such a big movie thing. And we did talk about like the one scene where like the moon is there and it like zooms into Lupin's eye and he's like a human. He's like, oh fuck. And then he's not like the one that I made you fuck or whatever you did to it. <laughs> but he's like panting and like he looks like really fucking hard. Over. It's really cool. Yeah, that's a great transition. Overall, this movie, the visual of it is so cool. Yeah. I mean, and not Lupin's even that. transformation is one of the coolest things. Yeah, I mean, it takes me back to like that scene in the Leaky Cauldron that I talked about, or like how they zoom in through the frog choir and then there's Dumbledore, or even the thing I talked about how like after the Trelawney scene, it like, goes to black and then it kind of melts into the next scene with McNair sharpening the axe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Snape not floating. Snape just kind of breaks out of it and everything. Yeah. yeah, you don't see Snape again until he's, like, standing between Lupin and the kids, and then Sirius leaps out of nowhere as the dog. Yeah. It goes for Lupin. I do like this just to establish the characterization. I like when Sirius goes to Lupin as he's transforming, and he was like, no, 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 you're good. Yeah, I'm here, this is where I'm your friend. heart is. Yeah, like, yeah. it's... It's a little hokey, but it also is really important to just establish that friendship and that relationship because we already are not getting enough of that. And then Hermione being like, Professor Lupin, it's okay. And he, that I thought was unnecessary, but they spend all this time creating this really cool werewolf because the werewolf looks fucking great. Yeah. That's another good point. If they're going to do it, might as well like soak it up as much as you can. And then the whole thing, yeah, like what you talked about of... Harry kind of running after them and then the werewolf coming back to establish that time turner and then Harry running down to the lake alone without Hermione. Hermione is not there. Yeah. I kind of go back and forth. Hermione being down at the lake with them, it's like, okay, at least there's like someone there to help them. With Hermione back with Ron and Snape, and at least we know like Snape comes too, so he's able to help Ron. I mean, obviously he does because Ron gets back up to the 
thing and he doesn't die there with a broken leg. At least, like, there's some more help there yeah. for Hermione helping Snape. It wouldn't make sense because of the way that they established Snape as being conscious through this. Hermione w- probably wouldn't be running after Harry in that circumstance because she has this adult figure here. Harry defying Snape is the book. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If this were to happen and Harry were to just run away from Snape, it would just be like, well, that makes sense because Harry would run yeah. away from Snape. You know, Hermione running away from Snape to follow Harry is a little more difficult, except I would accept it because Hermione is badass and she's totally there for Harry. The situation is fraught and crazy. When they're at the lake, another great shot is like when it zooms upwards from the lake and you see like yes. the cyclone of Dementors. That's really cool. Some of the other shots too, you know, like Sirius's like soul floats out of the Ugh. mouth and then the Dementors go in and it's like, just kidding, I'm coming back. That scene is so beautifully horrible your breath kind of catches watching it because it's definitely chilling. So I talked about actually in the movie when he falls out of the sky, how that Dementor's face comes out in front mm-hmm. of him. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder like if they could have saved that for this moment. Actually, I think I like it in that moment too because it establishes the direness of both scenes. I, and this scene has and enough. And it's done differently. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I really like that. There's like a frame of Snape standing in front of the three children being like protective and stuff. Yeah. And like they do that. Great. Whatever. Don't you know magic, Snape? Like, yeah. Like do some kind of dark ass magic against a werewolf? I feel like it's consistent where some of the professors aren't very good like in the moment in pressure because like we've seen that in other moments. The mattress. You said like conjure a mattress. Right. Uh, What's her fuck? Your favorite one. Hooch. Hooch. Yeah, for Neville in the first book. Like, that. this is another moment, like, hey, why don't you use it? Now, does he have his wand? I mean, it was Elixpelliarmus. Oh, yeah, that's true. Everyone so is there like, is that. Who even knows? But yeah. it's just a thing that I've always been like, but okay. Do your points. Okay. Plus 20 to Sirius for doing all the protecting of everybody. And like how you said, like he immediately goes to Lupin instead of the skinny dick. That is definitely like the good option here to protect rather than the vengefulness against Peter Pettigrew. Plus 10 to Harry too for giving it all he's got down at the lake. Like I said, I do think maybe he made a few errors in saying hopes instead of good memories. But you can tell that he is like trying as hard as he can. I also did give Hermione five points just for being there with him because she is going to be very, very important in this next chapter. And then this is the only time in this book, likely, that I'm taking points away from this person. I'm taking 10 away from Lupin. So originally when I was reading this, I was in the assumption that he just didn't take the potion and ran down. Of course, off mic, we talked a little bit about how Snape hadn't even brought it to him yet. So I feel like he did run out of the castle out of necessity to help them and maybe timed things a little bit wrong but if he had taken that potion it would have been so different so i thought about like not taking those away but i'm still gonna take them away like it's one time it's 10 points lupin is still s tier right now in my rankings trust me (laughs) and then negative 100 again from peter pettigrew from escaping and he looks gross even when he's like reversing out of being a rat so bye that guy bye yes and next time, we are going to read chapter 21, which is probably about the time turner. Hermione's secret. Hermione's secret. And we will be having a special guest. Oh my gosh, yes, that's right. Brian O'Jackson will be joining us. You remember him from the Puffs episode. He's awesome. He's going to be fun. If you don't remember him from the Puffs episode, go listen to the Puffs episode. So yeah, that will be very, very fun. I'm excited. And after that, we got one more chapter and then we're done with this book. 
Oh, yeah. As we're approaching the end of Prisoners of Azkaban and approaching Goblet of Fire, email us. You know the email by this point. And give us some ideas of what you'd like us to do differently in Goblet of Fire. I don't necessarily know if I'm going to continue Fuck, Mary Kill. If you like it, let us know. Maybe let I'll continue know. it. If you got another idea, let us know. If you want us to quit drinking so much wine, unsubscribe. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That is part of our brand. We can't make this happen without it. So, Let yeah. All right. Speaking of wine, we're going to go drink another bottle out on my patio because it's beautiful outside. We out. Bye. Basic Snitches is produced and recorded by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by Adam Bowers. And published by Tara Corkery via Podbean. And now available for download wherever you listen to podcasts. A special thanks to all of you for taking the time to download and listen to us. We hope you enjoyed us. If you enjoyed us, please be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. And if you didn't enjoy us, then we're sorry you're so angry. Please also connect with us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Basic Snitches or email us at basicsnitches at gmail.com. We're excited to get more feedback from our listeners and to hear what you have to say about the questions and discussions we have on the podcast. Catch, Catch you later, later, snitches! snitches.